Hi, I'm Jake Parker with the What's Your Story podcast. Here I talk with my guests about their life experiences, as well as current and long-term goals, and what gets them through the ups and downs. If you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe. And don't forget to visit my website, jparkerfitlife.com, for access to my Instagram account, blog, and more. Hi guys, welcome back to the Watch Your Story podcast. This is Jake Parker. My guest today is AJ Harbinger. He is the co-host of the Art of Charm podcast. Uh, they focus on a lot of different realms of personal and self-development, but one of the key aspects that they talk a lot about is relationships. And so I wanted to have AJ on today, talk a little bit about the importance of relationships, uh, managing the different relationships you have in your life, and so on. So I'll let AJ say hi on his end. Thank you for having me, Jake. Excited to give your audience some tips when it comes to building relationships. I know it's something that I've struggled with over the course of my life, and they are incredibly important, but sometimes they can be very difficult to manage. Yeah. And so the first question that I was kind of thinking about earlier is we have our work relationships and our friends and our family. Do you like to look at them as these different areas, or do you like to look at them as all being, you know, one? Well, I certainly feel that each of those relationships is different and there's some nuance to it. Obviously, we don't choose our family. And sometimes a lot of us have the most difficulty in family relationships when it comes to temperament, worldviews, and some of the choices that we make. So managing them are a little bit different than the other two categories, which would be our friends, our personal relationships, as well as our network or our business relationships. Uh, of course, when you're working with coworkers, it's important that those relationships are solid so that you can move ahead in your career and have a healthy and happy work environment. And of course, friends, that's where we have the most control, uh, mm -hmm. where we spend our time, who we hang out with. Uh, those are choices that we need to be looking at, uh, sometimes for selfish reasons, to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with the right people. Mm -hmm. I think something that really becomes important when you mention friends is just making sure as that is your own choice and you really have to be careful about where you spend your time, making sure that you're valuing those relationships. And if it's necessary, uh, I think cutting people off is sometimes necessary too. If they're just someone who's been in your circle for a long time and you realize that you've kind of outgrown each other or there's someone that's dragging you down, uh, how, do you, how do you approach that? Well, I think the big thing to realize is that we change. And if you think about where you were 10 years ago to where you are today, you would think, man, I've changed a lot in the last 10 years. But a lot of times when we think about where we're going to be 10 years from now, well, we don't think we're going to change that much. We think we're going to stay the same or, yeah. or change a little bit. Well, guess what? You are going to change a lot in the 10 years. And a lot of us have relationships that have lasted five, 10 years, and we've both changed. And sometimes we've grown closer and, and we've changed together and our worldviews, our temperaments, our beliefs and values have stayed the same or, or grown together. And unfortunately, sometimes they've grown apart. And I think it's important to realize that that's a normal part of the process. Relationships will ebb and flow. Sometimes you'll be closer, sometimes you'll be distant. But the important thing is to recognize when a relationship has become toxic. What we mean by mm -hmm. that is it's a relationship that causes us mental or physical harm. And really understanding the difference between a relationship growing apart 
or a relationship becoming toxic is the key factor in that deciding whether or not to remove that person from your mm-hmm. life. And I think that another thing that people battle with is, you know, when, when is the breaking point when you say that I've had enough of this person, you know, how many times do you possibly mention or what do you mention to them? Because I know it's hard, especially when you talk about these longer relationships, when you get along the lines of three, four, five plus years, you know, you want to help out this person. Your first instinct is that to, to believe that they're going to get better or improve and not just, you know, cutting them off right away. Well, I think, unfortunately, when we find ourselves in those situations where we have to make a tough decision about cutting someone off because they have been abusing us, they have been detrimental in our lives, we often don't realize that it started with us not communicating those behaviors that were harming us, that were Mm -hmm. causing us mental pain and anguish. And when we keep that to ourselves, resentment builds. When we're not communicating effectively in that relationship, we're also not giving the other person an opportunity to change their behaviors and the impact they're having on us. So I think the first and most important point in all of this is creating safe communication where you can speak freely about the way you feel and the way that person's behaviors impact you emotionally. And sometimes it means sitting down, putting your phones down, looking each other in the eye and being very open and honest about Mm -hmm. what you do enjoy about the relationship and the issues that you're having in the relationship. And once you set that communication up and you let the person know that, hey, you know, this is how you're impacting me. This is how you make me feel in these situations. You've now created a boundary. And a boundary is the statement of the behavior that is unacceptable to you, the emotions that it makes you feel when you experience that behavior, and the behavior that you would like to see instead. When you have those three things together in your communication, you've created a boundary. Now, it's up to the other person to respect your boundaries. And really, when that person continues to disrespect or break your boundaries, that is typically when I decide to cut that person out of my life, to stop Mm -hmm. spending time and investing in that person. But unfortunately, because we have so much difficulty communicating, we'll often rush through those steps and we'll wonder then, well, why is this person not changing their behaviors? Well, Mm -hmm. you haven't vocalized to them the behaviors that you'd like to see change and the feelings that those behaviors evoke in you. You also probably haven't clarified for that person what would be an acceptable behavior, what would make you feel better, and how you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. So when there's miscommunication in those three areas, of course, it leads to conflict in the relationship. And sometimes we don't give that other person a chance to change. Yeah, and I feel like it can kind of work both ways too, where it's like the other person, if you were to just, you know, stop spending so much time with them or stop texting them or calling them, they may be like, well, what, what the hell is going on? Why is AJ, why is he doing this? I don't understand. I think that if you do value that person, I think it's always nice to you know, give them that chance to improve and let them know what's bothering you because they might not even know in the first place. And I not only agree with that, I also think it's an opportunity for growth for you personally. Mm-hmm. Because when you set that boundary, you have to open up the conversation to get some feedback yourself. And you may be behaving in ways that are hurting that person that's Mm -hmm. causing the behavior to come back towards you. And when we set the boundary, it often shines a mirror on ourselves and our own behaviors. And we may realize, guess what? We're no longer a fit for being in a relationship together, but I have some behaviors that I need to improve on my end as well to be a better friend, to be a better partner, to be a better spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's why that conversation is so important. 
Unfortunately, in today's society, a lot of us choose to ghost. We just choose yeah. to withdraw. We don't communicate our thoughts, feelings, and the way that other people's behaviors have been impacting us. And when we withdraw, we leave this giant question mark hanging there. The other person feels slighted. They feel taken advantage of. They feel negatively about us because we haven't shared with them what's going on. And of course, that has damage not only in the relationship that you have with that person, but also the potential for other relationships and growing your network. Mm -hmm. And that's why communication is such a key part. In relationships and in dating, especially, I think it's, it's weird how that's ghosting, like you said, is such a normal thing that happens now. And it's just like something that's accepted. And I don't know, it's, it, it, it's weird because it's just a, it's kind of a product of how easily we communicate together now. And so I think that people, you know, it's so easy to talk to someone. It's easy to stop talking to them as well. I just think it's, it's, it's an interesting layer in the, the dating scene that, that we see nowadays as opposed to how it was in the past. Yeah, and I talk to clients all the time who ghost in their relationships outside of just dating. They ghost mm -hmm. with their coworkers. They just give up on that job. They ghost with their friends that they went to high school with, and they just mm -hmm. become unavailable. And unfortunately, it doesn't allow either person an opportunity to grow and change and improve. And it certainly doesn't set the tone to build trust in future relationships either if your first response to any negative behavior is to just withdraw and go silent or avoid uh, confronting it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, obviously, we kind of touched on how it's, it's a lot different when the fact that you get to choose your friends and you really get to have a lot of control over your social circle. But how would you suggest that someone goes about um, possibly fixing a damaged relationship or trying to address someone who brings negative qualities to a relationship in their work life when you are oftentimes forced to be around or work with certain people, uh, regardless of if you really jive personally or not? Well, I think the most important thing is to address the issue with the person in person. Mm hmm this is not something to bring in your manager or yeah, go to HR mm -hmm. and try to have someone else handle the situation for you. I think it's really important that you take responsibility and you lead the conversation in person in a way that impacts both of you and allows you to work through the differences first. Now, as I said, it's all about drawing these boundaries. It's one, admitting the behavior that has caused you pain or anguish, it's two, stating the emotion that that behavior causes or makes you feel, whether it's, it makes you feel slighted, it makes you feel disrespected, it makes you feel upset when someone calls you out in a work environment and doesn't give you an opportunity to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is to give them a behavior that you would prefer that would make you feel better. And when you state those three things in person with the person who's causing you grief, frustration, anger, you've now created an open line of communication where the, the problem can be handled appropriately and ideally a solution can be found. Mm -hmm. As I said, unfortunately, a lot of us dance around it. We will start to change our behaviors around that person. We will talk behind their back. We will go to our coworkers and complain about them instead of just dealing with the problem head on. And unfortunately, technology has made it really easy for us to send an email, to not do things face to face. Mm -hmm. But I think it is really important when we're drawing a boundary and we're trying to change behaviors to do it in person. So that person has an opportunity to fully hear us, to fully understand what we're saying, to ask follow up questions, and to also give us some feedback. 
Because as I said, a lot of these behaviors manifest because of our own behaviors and we may not be realizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the face-to-face communication is something that really gets lost these days. And this is something I talked to Johnny about before too. And it, I noticed that you guys almost always, when you have a guest, like to bring him into your studio. And we kind of discussed how there, it's just something that's so much different when you're face-to-face with someone in person, getting to read their emotions and getting to read their nonverbal cues. And I think that transcends to any communication you're having. It, it could probably almost always be improved if you can make that a face-to-face interaction. Yeah, especially because a lot of times when we're just reading a text or reading an email, we're bringing our own emotions into the equation, how we're feeling. If I got caught off on my way to work and I'm coming into work frustrated, well, of course, that email is going to be read through my frustration and Mm -hmm. has an opportunity to make things even worse. Whereas in person communication, if I'm relaxed, if I am open with my body language, my arms are not crossed, I'm not tense, in delivering that communication, it's going to be received a lot differently than if I were just type it up and let that person's emotions dictate how they receive the message. So we prefer everything to be in person, whether it's interviews, um, the podcast, whether it's delivering negative news or information to Mm -hmm. someone, or it's setting a boundary. And the other important thing to realize with this in-person communication is it also gives you an opportunity to fully listen and be engaged. You know, how many of us have seven tabs open, Mm -hmm. our phone is in our hand, we're checking Slack, we're getting a notification and we're sending that email, right? We're not fully even present a lot of the times when we're trying to communicate. And these are important issues that we're trying to solve where full attention and communication need to be present to solve these issues that we may be having with our coworkers or our family members. So that's why we really prefer in person, removes the distractions, allows us to communicate our emotions and also read the other person's emotions more effectively. Mm-hmm. And so going from sort of the relationships that you already have in place, like we've kind of been talking about, I know uh, a couple of the uh, guests that, that you and Johnny have talked about that really stuck out, like big names like Tim Ferriss and David Goggins. Uh, I've heard you talk a little bit about it, but um, I'd like you to elaborate a little bit on how, how do you go about reaching outside of your network and trying to uh, expand your network and reach out to people that you maybe have some loose ties with, but you'd like to form more of a formal relationship or even a friendship with? Absolutely. You know, of course, technology makes it easy to get a hold of pretty much everyone these days, whether it's through DMs, LinkedIn, messaging, Facebook, or just through your network, uh, people sharing and making introductions of emails, etc. So the most important thing is to identify the easiest channel of communication for that person, the easiest way to reach them. If you notice that some of your favorite um, influencers or thought leaders may be really active on Twitter, well then a Twitter DM is probably one of the better ways to communicate with them. If you see they're really active on LinkedIn, they're posting on LinkedIn a lot, well that could be a method of communication that allows you to reach them easily. So first it's figuring out what's the best method of communication to reach that person. And I always love to ask my network first. So I will go to people in my network that I know are super connectors that have met this person before, maybe have interacted with them and Mm -hmm. ask for a warm introduction. That's always going to go a lot further than just messaging someone cold Mm -hmm. where they don't know who you are or what's going on. If I don't have a warm introduction, then the one thing that I will do is I want to make sure that my message is brief and has a specific call to action, something that that person can very easily respond to. 
And when I message them, the first thing I want to do is give them value. Let them know what I appreciate about them, what I really enjoyed, whether they shared a point that changed my life or they had a talk that really impacted me or they created a piece of content that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I want to share that bit of information first. And I know a lot of us listening are like, well, come on. I mean, Tim Ferriss probably gets those messages all the time about how amazing he is or what he's shared. And I'll be honest with you. And I've, I've spoke with Tim and a lot of other influencers about this exact thing. They really don't. A lot of us who are putting out content are not getting very much in terms of feedback in a positive mm -hmm. manner. We're getting the negative complaints. We're getting the commenters who say the audio stinks or this wasn't mm -hmm. good or the video was, was crap, but we're not getting as much positive, uh, positive responses you would imagine. So first and foremost, just letting that person know what you really appreciated about their contribution, their content, their piece of feedback is important to set the tone properly for that piece of communication. So that's the first thing I do. Keep it to a sentence, keep it brief. The second thing I do is I want to make sure that it's very clear what it is that I'm looking for help on whether it's starting a podcast or having them come on my show. I don't want to be vague. I want to be specific. And the more specific you can be, the better. Because a lot of times when we're talking to people that we look up to, their time is very valuable. And we want to cut to the point. We don't want to beat around the bush and have them be forced to send two or three emails before they even truly understand what it is that we want or need. And the last thing I like to do in all of my communication is give a simple call to action. So something that they can do that allows them immediately to answer my question, to set up the meeting, to make things really easy. Again, to limit the email or DM back and forth. So it's like, these are the time slots I have available. This is the topic I'd love you to cover. Um, would love to have you on my show. So that it's very easy for them in that one piece of communication to know, okay, I understand why AJ enjoyed my piece of content. I understand what AJ needs. And oh, it's very simple for me to make a decision to take that next step. And of course, as you get really good at this, you're going to realize that, hey, this method of communication cuts down on all of the back and forth or trying to understand who this person is or how I can help them. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to then follow back up very easily with that person. If they didn't read it, if they haven't seen it, uh, they haven't had a chance to respond, a simple one or two time follow up oftentimes will bounce it to the top of their inbox and get mm -hmm. them engaged. Um, I find that a lot of the times when I get pitched or I talk to people who get pitched on things, it's not clear what you need. It's not clear how much time it's going to take me to mm -hmm. help you. And it's not even clear why you want to talk to me. So it's not about being generic. You know, I get responses all the time. I like your podcast. Okay. Well, what about my podcast? Did you like, what specifically did you enjoy? What episode really resonated with you? When I get those messages, I'm much more likely to respond. If someone just says, hey, I like your podcast, it makes me feel like, oh, they're just blasting everybody and they're using the same message with 30 people. It's very impersonal and it makes me less likely to respond. And I know I'm certainly not alone in that situation. Yeah. Or like what comes to mind if someone just like, hey, like let's connect sometime. Well, that's going to make someone think, well, do I really want to go through this back and forth of what do you mean by connecting? Like you said, what's the timeline going to look like? I like that, that specificity in, in what you're looking for. And if it's just, hey, I want to grab a cup of coffee. Hey, can I do a five-minute Zoom chat? I just have this one pressing need. Mm -hmm. At least it allows me 
to know exactly what I'm saying yes to. And if I can't do it, I can then say, hey, I might not be available, but Johnny has five minutes. Or hey, I know this other podcaster who could help you specifically with this. Let me make the introduction. Mm -hmm. So that's why specificity is so key around the time and the need so that even if I can't do it, I can still help you potentially by pointing you in the right direction. Yeah, one of the things I try to emphasize the most too is when you talk about just specificity and really reaching out and letting people know what you like about their content. I know when I first connected with you and Johnny, uh, I, it, I, I had kind of made it a point to, I like to comment or, you know, give my feedback or whatever on podcasts or writers that I like and stuff like that. And I have noticed that people really appreciate it. You know, if you say specifically, like you mentioned, I really like this episode. If it's, you know, an author, I really liked this part of your book. And I think that, it really sticks out in people's minds if you're specific and you're also consistent where, you know, things like the art of charm, social media, they're always asking for input and comment and what would you like to hear? And what did you like about this episode? And I think when, when you're a constant contributor, it makes people a lot more likely to remember you and then want to help you kind of like the, uh, the give and take, uh, Adam Grant's book, like you guys have talked about a lot. Absolutely. And understand that, you know, relationship building is not, something that you just flip a switch and immediately you're in a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. It takes time to build trust. It takes time to get on people's radar, especially some of these influencers and thought leaders who have hundreds and millions, hundreds of thousands and millions of followers who have a lot of information that they're putting out there and a lot of feedback that they're getting. But you'll notice even Gary Vee, you know, he's in his comments and he's re remembering people who are constantly adding value in the comment section. So these are ways that you can get on people's radar. And what I do want to add that, you know, I found to be very beneficial when you reach out to us as well. And I think this is a great point for those of you who are just getting started and, and mm -hmm. want to start creating these relationships is be specific in the results that you received from participating or taking action on that information. So if in an episode of a podcast, you learned how to negotiate and you really use that strategy to negotiate a raise or to save money on a car then let that podcaster, that YouTuber, that influencer know, hey, I use this piece of information and I got X result. Because when we know that you're taking action and it's benefiting you, we're more likely to help in the future. And we're mm -hmm. more likely to build a relationship and potentially even mentor you. Um, that's really beneficial when we're trying to create these relationships with someone who has a lot of experience that we look up to. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I really appreciate that people do is that, you know, I, I try to reach out to a lot of different people that I find interesting and some have a bigger following and are more well-known and some are, have a smaller following and, and are less well-known, but you know, the, the, the busier people are and the more they have going on, the less likely it is that they're going to have the time to connect with me or whatever, which I understand. But what I always appreciate is, and this happens a lot of times, it's, and it's something that Tim Ferriss has talked a lot about too in his books is just being able to say no, but saying it in a kind way, like, thank you for reaching out. I don't have the time right now. Uh, pot, we could possibly reconnect in the future. But I think just even getting that response back of someone res respectfully letting you know why they don't have time and, and thanking you for reaching out, that always goes a long way for me too. That's something I really appreciate. Yeah, I think in today's day and age, it's difficult to get responses from people, much like mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier, the ghosting, the phenomenon where people just avoid any sort of communication back. So when someone who's incredibly busy takes the time to even politely decline, mm -hmm. it goes a long way in my book to know that they're engaged, they care about their audience. 
and there may be an opportunity in the future when they can support me. So back to uh, kind of talking about the, the book that I mentioned, uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Um, how do you balance, you know, we kind of talked about reaching out to someone and making that ask, but how do you balance that along with giving value and not feeling like you're just being a receiver and you're just asking? How do you uh, like to give that value back first and foremost? Well, I think much like your example, being engaged on people's platforms, mm -hmm. leaving comments, adding thumbs up, likes, just those little hat tips and nods to the effort that they're putting out puts you on their radar and gives value well before you need to ask for something. And it's certainly how, you know, we got connected through social media, mm -hmm. seeing you active in our comments uh, made me and Johnny more likely to respond to you. So it's mm -hmm. human nature when we see that people are participating and the community is forming and, and we recognize you as part of that community. Well, then, of course, when it comes to you asking, hey, can you come on the show? Hey, can you help me? I'm going to be much more amenable to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of social media. We can like something on LinkedIn, we can leave a comment, we can retweet someone, and that will be picked up on their radar, whether they're running the social media themselves or they have someone on their team running it. That person on their team is going to say, hey, this person's been really active, Tim, take a look at this. Mm -hmm. Hey, this person has commented a few times on your videos, Ramit, take a look at this. So even if that person may not be controlling their social media, you're going to be in a position having given value, looking for ways to support that person, to cut the line, so to speak, and become on their radar before you need to ask something of them. I think unfortunately, a lot of us will follow someone, we lurk, we pay attention to everything, and then, oh, we have that idea, I need help with this. And immediately we just go and rush to ask for that help from someone else mm -hmm. without having put in any effort ourselves without even showing them that we are givers instead of takers. Mm -hmm. And it is a balance. It is difficult, but these are things that you should be doing habitually. Uh, we talked about this on a recent podcast that networking and building relationships is not hunting. It's gardening. Yeah. It's not about, I need something. Now I need to go track this person down. I got to go hunt this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's something that you should be doing every single day with your morning cup of coffee. Go through your Twitter feed. Go through your Instagram feed. Go on YouTube and like some things. Give people positive feedback. Let them know what you enjoyed. Let them know that they're doing a great job. And when that becomes habitual, you've now tapped into the community around them. You've put yourself in a position to be better served when you actually need something than only requesting from people. Yeah. And something I think is interesting too, when you talk about just like the power of liking or commenting on someone's post, especially maybe not so much on the influencer or personality level, like a, like a big personality, but in, in my individual network of like friends and family, you know, that I've built up over time, I like to, I would say 90% of the things I see on social media, I like to give it a like or sometimes a comment and, you think that doesn't go very far, but I think we'd, we'd all, you know, look at who likes our pictures more than we'd like to admit, because it, it feels nice. It feels like you're getting validated and you know that that person is thinking about you. And to me, it's just something that's so small. It's like, why not do it? And, you know, maybe boost someone's day a little bit. Exactly. And then that's the power of social media, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, we walked around not knowing what mattered to other people not having a clear idea of what they valued, what they wanted appreciation or attention for. But now 
everyone who's taking the time to post something means they like it, mean they want attention, mean they want appreciation for it. So it is a bit of a cheat code now to just hop on someone's social media and see, oh, they posted up that they're traveling somewhere. I'll send them a text. Hey, I hope you have a great trip. Or hey, check out this restaurant while you're there. I really enjoyed it. Those small little opportunities to be generous, to give someone your time, to give someone appreciation, to tell them what it is that you dig about them, those are the seeds to growing that relationship that we're talking about. You plant those seeds, you become a positive force in people's lives, cheering them on, helping them shine and grow as a person, as a company, as an individual. And you're going to find that you have started to build relationships without even putting in a massive amount of effort. You know, as you grow and as your number of relationships and your network grows, how do you go about keeping those soft ties or making sure that the people that are important in your life feel validated and feel valuable. You know, as you, you get busy and maybe you have a significant other or you have a new job, it, it can, it can really get difficult to keep up with say like your best friends from high school or, you know, calling your parents and texting your parents enough. Uh, is there any systems that you have in place where you like to um, use to make sure that the people that are most valuable in their life can remember that? Yeah, and I certainly, this is an area that I continue to try to improve on, but mm -hmm. it comes down to building habits and some simple systems that allow you and create the space in your life to focus on other people. As we know, we are number one in, in our own minds, and mm -hmm. it's very easy for work and all of our responsibilities and duties to get in the way. So one of the first things that I did was I just created some simple calendar notifications to remind me at the end of the week to reach out to my family, create mm -hmm. some space on my calendar so that I have an open line of communication. You know, I grew up in Michigan. I live in LA now. It's a three hour time difference. And sometimes by the time I'm done with my day and I want to reach out to my family, they're already in bed. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was important for me to create a calendar notification on Thursday afternoons. I know that no one's in bed. I know that everyone will be available. And I use that opportunity to reach out to my family. The other thing that I do religiously is when I'm on social media and I see a big event in someone's life, a big trip, uh, they've got promoted, they started a new job on LinkedIn, all these notifications, I will then reach out to that person in a more mm -hmm. personal way. So get off the platform. I'll call them, yeah. I will text them, and I will let them know that not only did I see this on the platform, but I've been thinking about them. And yeah. just that alone oftentimes will open up a line of communication with someone who maybe you haven't talked to in a while. Mm -hmm. So easy then, to brush past or just keep scrolling when you see something like that. A lot of times we won't think to, you know, it's so easy to jump over to iMessage and send them one congratulations. It's like stuff isn't, isn't overly difficult. Absolutely. And the, that's the best part about it is you create time on Wednesday mornings to do this. You go through your social media habits of checking everything and you say, okay, I'm going to now reach out to three people that I saw something interesting on their social media about. And those light touches, those little bits of communication, giving someone a high five, telling them you really enjoyed it, wishing them a happy birthday, congratulating them on a promotion puts you top of mind for that yeah. individual. They see that you're putting in effort. You are managing that relationship. Then the third thing that I do, and we actually send an email about this when you sign up for our newsletter at theartofcharm.com is it's called the three swipe technique. So what I do is I will go in my iMessage and I will just swipe up three times. Oh, so yeah. three spins on the wheel, so to speak. 
And whoever is in that screen on my iMessages from three swipes is someone that I haven't talked to in months and months, typically. And that will remind me, hey, what's going on with this person? If I haven't seen anything from them in a while, I haven't heard from them, maybe I'll hop on their social media, or maybe I'll just be like, hey, I was thinking about you. I hope everything's well. And just see what the response is. If they're like, yeah, actually, I was just thinking about you too, then give them a call, reach mm -hmm. out to them. But this allows you to utilize technology to your advantage, right? You're creating space on your calendar. You're using social media to remind you to reach out to people. And and then you're manually going into your iMessage to find those people who've been buried, who you haven't talked to in a while, and reignite those opportunities and those relationships. Yeah. And just like you mentioned a little bit ago, how we're always the main character in our own story and we, we forget what it feels like to be someone else. And the point that I mean there is it's like, I think you or I or anyone would agree, like it really feels really good when someone reaches out and says, you know, I saw you know, your post on social media about your new job or about your new relationship or whatever, like I'm happy for you. We forget the power of us doing that to someone else. You know, if maybe it's been a while since someone reached out to us and just how the, the power of how, how good that can make you feel with such a simple gesture. And of course, you know, on someone's birthday, their Facebook is going to be lit on fire. When someone gets promoted at work, their LinkedIn is going to be lit on fire with mm -hmm. notifications. So that's why I like to go to iMessage or even phone call because that one extra step, that personal touch sets you apart. That person on their birthday might not be getting very many phone calls or text messages because everyone's just Facebooking them. And I know myself, I don't even go on Facebook on my birthday because it's just a bunch of people all saying HBD. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's not really a relationship. That's just mm -hmm. someone who got notified on Facebook. A relationship is where you take a little extra effort and energy to tell that person you care about them. They're an important part of your life. Yeah, I have a couple kind of similar systems like, like you talked about in place where like I'm on my calendar every day to see, you know, I, I schedule things in on my calendar is something I look at a lot. And so I, I put all my close friends' birthdays on there. And then another thing that really helps me out a lot is I have a list that I go through uh, every weekend and it's stuff that's as simple as like do my laundry, clean my room and stuff like that. But I also put on there, make two to three phone calls. And so I end up calling, you know, maybe my mom, one of my friends that doesn't live in town, my brother, you know, someone, another friend that I haven't talked to in a while. And just having those systems in place helps because it's, it's hard, you know, this could be a whole nother tangent, but relying on your, on your memory or your willpower, it, it's difficult. And it makes it a lot easier when you put those systems in place to make sure that you're going to do the important things that you want to do, like reach out to your friends and family. Yeah. And, and as you were saying, you know, those moments when, when we're experiencing that, we got a new car and someone tells us, Hey, that car looks beautiful. Congratulations. Or we moved and we just got settled and we're having a housewarming party. Those little moments where people personally reach out to us to celebrate us, to cheer us on, to appreciate us are very meaningful in our own lives. So as you see those events that people are posting up on their social, put yourself in their shoes. Think about what it's like. Oh, that's a big event in their life, yeah, I'm going to reach out to them and celebrate them. And all of a sudden, you're going to realize that the people in your life are not taking from you any longer. They're actually giving you, they're, they're giving back to you, they're supporting you, because they now have followed your lead, and they felt supported by you. Mm -hmm. And then another recurring topic on the Art of Charm that really interests me a lot is just the fact that you talk about networking and relationship building for introverts. And I think it's interesting, because I consider myself an introvert, 
And it's something I like to talk to people about a lot because if you just saw what I put out on social media and online, you might not think that, but I think it's important to note that some people are so, you know, I, I don't want to make it an excuse, but it's a lot harder for some people to be social and to reach out and to want to go do things. And so for me, that's where the systems in place become so much more important. But what are some other ways that you guys, you know, you deal with, I'm sure a lot of introverts in your, in your boot camps, what are some of the ways that, or the advice that you might give to someone who wants to build relationships that finds themselves uh, more, more quiet and reserved? Well, I think when dealing with introverts and interacting with introverts, um, being an introvert myself, I just realized that I have to be a little bit more patient mm -hmm. and understanding and have some more empathy. I know a lot of us are so quick to judge other people and say, oh, they were cold, they were standoffish, they were rude, they were arrogant. And a lot of times we don't think empathetically that, oh, maybe they were nervous, maybe they had a little anxiety, maybe they're having a rough day, it has nothing to do with me. We tend to personalize people's behavior uh, sometimes to their detriment and write people off for the wrong reasons. So that's how I would be more accepting of introverts. What I would say if you are an introvert and you're trying to develop more relationships is use all these tools that we talked about. If in-person communication is a bit of a challenge for you, then use social media and use the online platforms to start those interactions, to start those relationships. And then, of course, once you have some back and forth with that person, it's going to be a lot easier to have a conversation with them in person. So if you've been following someone and now you have an opportunity to see them at an event, at a convention, at a networking event, well, if you've communicated with them a little bit online, it's going to make that initial conversation as an introvert a lot easier because mm -hmm. they already know you. They've seen you on social. They've had some communication with you. So it's playing to your strengths and allowing relationships the time to grow. I think the other thing that a lot of us introverts have is we get impatient. Yeah. And we very quickly will, will say, oh, I, I wish this person was responding more. I wish I had this or I wish I had that. And we don't give those relationships enough time and space to grow. Sometimes it just takes people a little while to warm up to us. And that's why having the lens of giving value, appreciating other people first, instead of just having the lens of taking value and taking what you need from other people can allow those relationships to develop a little bit more naturally than trying to force them, uh, which of course can make both of us feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's, I think it's important. I wish that more people understood the difference between extroversion and introversion, because it's, it's interesting to me how sometimes people that are introverted, once you get to know them and once you establish a relationship, it seems to me like they, they can form the closest of relationships and can really, because they really observe things and get to know people. So, you know, once you put in that time, like you talk about being patient, uh, I think that you form stronger connections in the long term. And so realizing that you, that's your strength and to try to focus on that and even uh, that might give you more perseverance to push past the awkwardness of the first interactions and the small talk and stuff like that, that people that are introverted tend to not be a big fan of. Yeah, and I, I would say, adding on to that, even if you felt that first interaction was awkward or was mm -hmm. tense or you just didn't feel the spark or whatever it is that you're looking for, give them a second chance. 
still reach out to them, still follow up with them on email, follow up with them on Twitter and social media. Don't just write them off based on that first instinct. Mm -hmm. I know from my own experience, I've been written off by people who thought, oh, I was cold or aloof. And it really was just my introversion and my own social anxiety getting in the way. And because of doing this over the last 13 years and coaching people on social skills and helping them break out of their shell and overcome some of these introvert tendencies, I now realize with the lens of empathy that it just takes some people a little bit longer and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's certainly not a judgment on me, uh, my character, my values. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, I thought that you might mention this because it's another thing I've heard you guys talk about, but like not judging yourself too harshly. Like sometimes, you know, you might say to yourself, oh, that was so awkward. Like they knew that I wasn't comfortable and they must have felt so awkward. But a lot of times they went on to the next interaction. They didn't think anything of it. So trying not to be too hard on yourself and not overanalyzing the situation, I think can also be uh, uh, a big area to just make you feel more confident overall. And going along with that, you realize it just takes a little bit more practice. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves because it's the one interaction we're having. We're not talking to a lot of people. We're not trying to interact with more people at that event. So of course that one awkward conversation becomes our only data point and it's mm-hmm. very easy to beat ourselves up. But practicing this stuff, trying to be more social, going about your daily life by talking to the people who are paid to talk to you, the barista, the waiter, the waitress, the bartender, the door guy, uh, all of these people are paid to be friendly and there are ample opportunities for you to socialize and practice these things. So we don't put so much pressure on ourselves in that one interaction that we really want to go well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to practice trying not to be, you know, on your phone the whole time you're, like you said, getting your coffee or checking out your groceries and, you know, asking that person, how's your day? I'm sure that a lot of times someone might be surprised and happy to say, oh, you know, my day is going good. Like this, this, and this has happened so far. You know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to practice because, you know, if you're one of those people that judges yourself harshly, it it should be something that, you know, is easier to brush off and is going to make you more comfortable in making interactions. Absolutely. And, and everything that we're talking about here are skills that we can develop. They're mm-hmm. nothing that you're just born with or you aren't born with. And I think we have to dispel that myth that, you know, some people this just comes more naturally to or extroverts have it easy. Uh, as introverts, we can't get better at this. And it's easy to write it off and just say, well, I'm stuck here. Uh, these are all skills that through practice, through patience, and through a little bit more experience, you can develop out. And you'd be surprised at how different conversation becomes when you are just more curious about the other person than thinking about all the things you're doing wrong and thinking about all the things on your phone that you can't wait to check out. Yeah. And so starting to wrap up here, one of the last questions I had was, uh, have you personally, or has there been any moments in your boot camps or talking with friends, family, et cetera, uh, breakthroughs possibly, or um, aha moments as far as upkeeping relationships or making new relationships, just something that's really become a guiding principle for you that you know maybe took you a while to figure out? Well, what I would say is that it's never too late. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, and maybe even hearing this, you start thinking about swiping up three times on your text messages on your phone. And you're like, well, I haven't talked to that person in, in a year. I haven't talked to that person in 18 months. Like, how, this is going to be so awkward if I reach out to them. And what I found time and time again 
is that people are so open and receptive and happy to hear from you, even if it's been months or years. And a lot of times we will sabotage our own relationships by thinking, oh, you know, that person hasn't reached out to me either. So they're not going to want to hear from me or they're not going to be interested or they're going to think I need something. And we end up just shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, I've moved, I've developed relationships in college and graduate school in New York City and LA. And some of my best friends I don't see regularly. I don't talk to regularly. But all I know is that when you make it something that is a habit and something that you focus on and reconnecting with people, you're going to realize that even if years have gone by, hearing your voice, hearing from you, giving them value, letting them know how meaningful they've been in your life and, and how you have screwed up. You got a little busy. You forgot about some things. You're in the middle of a transition. You went through a nasty breakup. Your head wasn't on straight. Whatever the case may be, people are really receptive and open to you reconnecting more so than you might think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. AJ, I appreciate you coming on today. It was very informative. And uh, why don't you let people know, again, where they can listen to the podcast, uh, anything else you're working on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Again, it's been a pleasure. And I love sharing all these things that I've learned because they've impacted my life as an introvert, someone who struggled in these areas previously. You know, we started the Art of Charm podcast 13 years ago as just a platform to share our stories and it turned into an opportunity to coach people and help them overcome these same issues. So if you've been listening to this and feel like these are areas you'd like to improve, you'd like more tips and tricks, the podcast is free. You can check it out on iTunes or Spotify or any of your favorite podcast platforms, The Art of Charm. And if you really want to kick it up to the next level, I would say check out our challenge. It's a free 10-day social skills challenge with a great active Facebook group mm -hmm. that allows you to grow these skills in a fun way, meet some like-minded people, and maybe even grow your network. You can check that out at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. All right. Awesome. Well, AJ, uh, until we get to speak again, I really appreciate it again. Yeah, stay warm there in the Midwest. I know exactly what those winters are like, and uh, I'm going to try to stay safe from the fires here in L.A. All right, well, thanks. This has been the What's Your Story podcast. I'm Jake Parker. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and listen in to new episodes every Monday and Saturday. Also, give us a rating and review or share with a friend or family member you think might enjoy the show. I'm always looking for new guests, so if you or someone you know would like to come on the show, please reach out by email or Instagram. Both are easily available on my website, jparkerfitlife.com. Thanks.